HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Fair Kitchens. Learn about the Fair Kitchens code and join the movement at fairkitchens.com. This week on Meet and 3, I'm about to go on maternity leave. This is Katie Mosman-Wadler, and before I leave you in the incredibly capable hands of Team HRN, we're rounding out Season 5 with a deep dive into the food rules, weird cravings, and overall hype about eating while pregnant. There are a lot of safe foods to eat, and we shouldn't be sort of assuming that just because something is raw that it's dangerous. I just found myself feeling like there was an alien piloting my body and brain and uh, totally changed the way that I ate. So was it the eggplant? Sure. Why not? I just don't know. Tune in to this week's episode of Meet and 3 anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll be back soon with our newest and tiniest producer in tow. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, I'm Jimmy Carboni, and this is a Tuesday, January 14th, 2020. Got a special group of, of guests here. To me, the, the good beer seal bars and craft beer bars in New York City are a really important part of the craft beer scene. To me, it's the tasting room of good beer, and, and they've been that, that place for many years. Um, our friend Kyle from uh, Kyle, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Kyle. I'm from uh, S Hospitality, which is the Baroness, the Huntress. Uh, we have another one called the Duchess coming as well. Looking for the governess now. And we have an escape room called Escape as well, which is a bar restaurant theme. So. And uh, Kyle reached out. He, he had, he's had an idea for a show for a while. Um, this one's about some of the pitfalls uh, of, of opening a craft beer bar. In New York City, Can so we call uh, them shitfalls. Shitfalls. <laughs> but again, he's a guy that that this, he wants everyone to kind of gripe. But he's also opening his fourth bar, so there must be something good about it, Kyle. Absolutely nothing. It's terrible. It's <laughs> fucking awful. And let's go around the room. We got one, one of our, our our beer sessions radio listeners, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I'm uh, Ryan Brower. I work for Gear Patrol as a project coordinator on the editorial operations team, and I also oversee all of our beer coverage. So occasionally you get to post about beer, don't you? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like my side gig at work, but uh, it's definitely a fun side gig, and uh, I'll, I'll stay late at night to uh, to work on beer stuff. So so you're, you're the volunteer beer. Yeah, it's somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> and another guy, um, Brian. Hey, how's it going? I'm uh, Brian Wingett. Uh, I work over at Someday Bar down in Borham Hill, and uh, the owner of the bar, Megan, can tell you a little bit more about that. Great, man. Thank, Brian, it's, it's, great, it's great to have you on, and thanks. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice that you have this new gig, and you know you worked at Barcade for a long time. You're one of the solid uh, New York City craft beer bar. I'm guys. happy to be back. Third time on the show. Maybe we can knock out a couple more. Thanks, Brian. Hi, I'm Megan. I'm the owner of Someday Bar uh, in Borham Hill, Brooklyn. We've been open for six months. But before that, I managed One Mile House in the Lower East Side um, that was owned by our next human <laughs> on the radio show that will introduce himself. All right. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> Hi, how are you? My name's uh, Jerry Leary, formerly owner of One Mile House, present owner of Judy and Punch in Astoria. Uh, crap beer. 
been around for a long time. Great, man. Well, you know, this is a, a nice group of uh, craft beer guys, and um, we're going to start with some questions. Um, first of all, Kyle, you, you were <laughs> pretty inspired for the show. So t- tell us what, what, what were you trying to get at with this show? The, the I mean, I challenges of owning a craft beer bar in New York City. We all know this world. You know it very well. You're getting to know it. You've known it, and you were like, ah, and then you came back. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so I just, it's that, that how people glorify how cool owning a craft beer bar in New York City seems like it is, and it's really not that prestigious when it comes down to it. It's a lot more work. It's a lot of trials and tribulations and whatnot. And so I just like to let people know that it's not always glamorous, you know, like every day is, is always different. It's always something. So what about you? You know, you're, 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 you're waiting to open your fourth place. So obviously you love it. You know, it's been, it's been successful in some way for you. You know, what's one example of, of something that you, you might warn someone against? It, it, well, the, the warning is just anything can happen, so live close. That's what I always... I lived in Staten Island had a bar in the East Village, and it was terrible. And uh, it was the, just the worst. Things would happen, problems, issues, and, uh, and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, like, live close and uh, just expect the unexpected. Like, for example, we... Uh, at the Baroness, at one point, I don't know what year it was... Uh, what's it called came in con Edison came in and shut us down shut the electrical down for a whole month whoa so what we did is we bought a whole shitload of extension cords and ran them from another basement into our building and ran like 50% of the place for a month made sandwiches still had all of our fridges on played music half the place is full of candles but you gotta expect that that kind of crap's gonna happen and that's that's like that's not as bad as what's happened I've had way worse like way worse than that yeah but Let's go to so Megan. You know, you you work. You've got a lot of experience. Ran one mile house, and you've chosen to open your own place. Or, or is there anything you want to talk about that was challenging, <laughs> or you're still inspired and you're already rare? No, I'm to pretty go. jaded already. <laughs> pretty jaded. Yes. Um. <laughs> Here's your pizza from Roberta's Pizza Perfect. too, Megan. Um, well, let's see. We opened July sixth, um, right after the holiday, but we weren't supposed to open July sixth. We were actually supposed to open the week before. Um, our liquor license dropped two days before my birthday, so I got a liquor license for my birthday, which was pretty nice. I had my last shift at One Mile House, which was very nice. Um, so we're ready to open, we're ready to go, and we get a heat wave. It's probably like one of the hottest weeks of the year, and our entire keg room goes down, and our AC goes down uh, right before we're supposed to open, the, like the day before. So then we pray that we can get somebody to come out before 4th of July, which, let's be real, it's not going to happen. I sat in the bar till 10 o'clock at night. One night, someone showed up to fix the keg room. But then we had one of our reps, that was my partner's rep from Judy and Punch, also one of my partners, uh, he had someone come out that only spoke Chinese, and he translated for us to get him to fix our AC unit so we could open. So on July 6th at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, Brian? First off, shout out to Boo Boo. Oh yeah, putting that together. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, was the only one that could speak to him? Yeah, Boo Boo. Yeah, we couldn't yeah, even. We couldn't remarkable, do right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he well, did a remarkable job. He, but he's now Allagash, white yeah, yeah. or Allagash. Uh, he saved us though, and that guy has actually come out and fixed the other unit. Uh, but that was that was the the start off of what has been two downed AC heating units, a downed keg room. A downed reach in, um, pretty much everything. Else. Everything has broken since we've opened. Every and single. And Brian, thing. you you've worked in places forever too. So, I mean, ultimately, one thing is just the, the long days, right? Unexpected delays. You have to be there for deliveries. You might have to close at the end of the night. I'm working mostly nights now, but uh, coming up on about nine years working in craft beer in New York, and I've definitely seen uh, my fair share of odd. And troubling events. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, working at uh, Barcade in Chelsea when uh, a sewage line broke in the building next to ours. And just by happenstance, the the, uh, the angle of the floor, a literal river of shit flowed into the <laughs> basement <laughs> right next to the keg walk-in and had to deal with that on a Tuesday night on top of all manner of parties and what have you. 
and that's you know just another day. It happens. I bet you <laughs> bought a good pair of boots after that, didn't you? I yeah. threw out the ones I had. <laughs> <laughs> and Gerard, you must have something of a fun anecdote. Oh my god! Because we all have hundreds of these stories. So. Yeah, shit happens. Honestly, Brian. Uh, I've had the same thing. I've had, you know, overflows where a dead pigeon goes into a drain and overflows the whole entire basement. Into dead the, bird juice. Yeah, I dead was bird juice. up to my ankles in that. <laughs> yeah. I cleaned that up. Uh, we had one lovely gentleman that worked for us that literally put his hand down the drain and pulled out a pigeon without a head. And then everything was fine after that, as long as you clean it up and, you know, and then life goes on. Fifteen minutes later, bathrooms are working, everything else is working. Wing special? That's the thing. No one knows, no one knows the difference. I think as the owner or as the, 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 the proprietor, the, what, what you know. in, in fancy cuisine, what, what is a pigeon? It's a, it's a, it's a dumb it? chicken. It's not it? a quail. It's something else. Oh, you, so that'll come up now, Ryan. So um, you're, you've been a listener, and really appreciate you, you following the show. You brought in uh, a threes beer. What is it? Because it's great, and I'm going to have more of it. Yeah, this is kicking and screaming, uh, which they just released in this latest batch of. It's a uh, fooder fermented uh, pilsner that they do. So they age it in oak, and it, uh, you know, they're they're one of those those breweries that's kind of doing that like old school, like a pilsner or a kel style aging of uh, of this pilsner for fermentation so i really enjoy that beer it's great well cheers guys cheers. Great to have cheers. You um just just to flip it you know one of the biggest challenges of of having a, a bar with a craft beer focus in new york city must be competing for all that the good juice that's out there um who wants to tell me about uh one of their favorite breweries and and how they get the beers i mean let's start with kyle because you're always posting some I mean, really cool photos of it's, cans it's, we were talking about this earlier about how like you can watch other bars get cool shit and you're like how the fuck did they get this like it's crazy and you it's all about relationships and whatnot and uh yeah i mean it's 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 gotten to a point you like for the longest time i i'm from vermont and i couldn't get heady topper and i'd see it flow through and i'm like i mean i know jen i know these people like when i was a kid like growing up i went to like high school with one of the people that first worked at the brewery and i could never get it and so it took this like long period of time to like actually like get them to take us seriously and that's that's the thing is like finding like is just taking the time and having people like understand what you're trying to do and and, and see where you're going with it but uh and Brian, I, before we go too far away, just a little note: Threes is celebrating their anniversary. I think it's their fifth anniversary That's this right. Thursday. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know if I'll you're be listening over there live, yeah, December, yeah. Uh, January sixteenth. Right? Yeah, definitely swing by Threes on Thursday. I'm right. sure they'll have some fun beers kicking around. There'll be a good crowd hanging out that evening as well. Oh yeah, great, Gerard. No, I think I think what Kyle was saying is totally true, and I think that's resonant in 2011 when I opened up One Mile House and whatever year. You opened up Jimmy's 40, you know, Jimmy's 43 and was like, you're always constantly trying to go and make those connections. And and it's a friendship and it's a, it's everything, but it's you always want the next and best thing. You know, and I think that's the, the difference between a regular bar owner and a craft beer bar owner is you give a shit about your liquid and you want to make sure that your customers have the best that's available. And it's your duty as the owner to go out and get it for them, you know, and. You're their first advocate. That's why they want to come to your bar. Yeah. How, do, how do you all guys, how do you guys all like keep up with that pace? You know, like we've seen. It's exhausting. Spreadsheets. Spreadsheets and spreadsheets. Especially now. Spreadsheets. <laughs> it was a lot easier a couple of years ago, but. But not like actually like one thing I would do for the like last three years is I would actually bike to a lot of breweries. I mean, I would bike, bike to Sand City and meet those guys and just sit down and talk with them and be like, hey, I know you're going to be delivering to Haymaker. Can I get something like in, and just getting that FaceTime with them, that's the big thing. Like, yeah, you know, totally. that's, and that's a hard thing. People don't understand. Like they're like, oh, I'm going to open a bar. I'm going to carry everything cool. It's like, you're not going to get everything cool. Like you're going to be that crappy craft beer bar that doesn't really carry craft beer. Like, I feel like I got really lucky from being at one mile house. And like, I already had a lot of relationships where it's like when you open a bar sometimes and you're starting fresh and going into a neighborhood, you don't know what you're walking into. You don't know what your neighbors are going to be like, but I will say with craft beer, when I opened, I already had like such crazy support from distributors and brewers and like a lot of my distributors in Manhattan that I I was dealing with because of One Mile, I reached out and I was like, "Hey, can you send me your Brooklyn counterpart?" What's a good example? Well, good brewer, a good brewery that you I mean, want to shout out to. Finback has taken amazing care of us. We did the Atlantic Antic with them. Um, a lot of uh, the Shops on the street went with Manhattan Distributing. 
um, and they poured Peroni and other and Brooklyn and you know it was great for them but it wasn't what we really wanted to do we really wanted to showcase like people that have taken care of us and our first week I think Finback showed up twice because they're going to be opening a tasting room in the neighborhood and so they really came in and spent money those first few weeks are scary you don't know what's going to walk through the door um yeah, they so. came in in force on a Tuesday night. Or yeah. what's not going to walk through the door. <laughs> exactly. That's the biggest thing. What's not going to walk through the door. And they really supported us, and then they sent us great stuff. And um, But also, I can't just say Finback. We had a lot of breweries show up that first month just to be really supportive. KCBC showed up. I mean, other half, Innerborough. And I'm going to forget people so no one be mad at me. But people were really, really great to me and to everybody that we work with. Here's a question. What, what do you What do you do... When you're opening a new place, when do you know that that it's working? You know what, what and what do you do to jumpstart it beyond typical things like you know putting the word out? How, how do you, how do you get people into a new bar? I mean, it, it's harder than people realize. So hard, Gerard. How about you when you did, when you did One Mile House because you were down on Delancey? That was still kind of on the fringe of things when you opened. Yeah, and I think crappier for me was more of making it a destination place as opposed to. Just walking by and popping in, like, you know, a populated kind of area for a bar. Um, I had the love for it, so that was great, and it was easy. And But people really traveled far and wide for, uh, for One Mile House when we first opened. I think nowadays it's become even more difficult for anyone that's opened up a craft beer bar because there's so much more out there. There's so much more saturation in the market. Like, when I opened up, I was trying to be as good as the Blind Tiger, you know, and there was... You know, these bars that have been out there since the 90s. I was trying to be Jimmy's 43. I was trying to be, you know, these great old school bars that really cared about craft beer, and there wasn't that many out there. And now it's like I have this kind of thing where every Irish pub closes, a craft beer bar pops up in its place. It's like it's just everyone's so mad about craft beer, and there's a lot of it out there, and it's just so accessible that it's like your competition is way higher, you know, and I dealt with location for craft beer, and that now people have to deal with their their neighbors. I think so. So, Megan, so tell us about your new place someday. So, you you're going beyond craft beer. I mean, tell us some of the other things you're selling. I noticed that you have a nice brunch menu. We have a good brunch menu. My chef uh, is amazing. Yeah, he's awesome. He's so creative, and also, you know, chefs have that. Uh, what is it? They're known for having a crazy huge ego, a bad temper, and possibly a drinking problem. That's not saying all chefs, but that's, I mean, that is what chefs are sometimes known for. And with Jonah, we have, he he's the first person to jump in. He has fixed sinks. He has cleaned up messes. He is the first person to help. No ego, and he's so talented. But I mean, I think. D- it, don't say that. Don't say <laughs> Don't tell him he's talented. I knew him before you know? <laughs> as a friend, before he was my chef, so good luck. Anyone that tries to steal him from me. But um, he's really great, and that's a huge thing. I've worked in a lot of kitchens where it was really unhealthy, and it was really. You didn't want to go into the kitchen because the chef was going to scream at you. And I'm not oh, saying okay, one okay, mile okay, house okay. behind the scenes. I'm just saying I've worked in kitchens that were really unhealthy. So to walk into an environment where I don't have to worry about that. You mean like a chef might be abusive or throwing things or screaming? Exactly. I mean, I think anyone that's worked in that the happens, service kids, industry. Trust me. <laughs> anyone that's worked in the service industry has had a negative interaction, you know, front of house versus back of house. And the fact I don't have to really worry about that as an owner is a huge relief off of my shoulders. And that I don't have to constantly wondering about the kitchen. Is food going to go out right? Is it going to go out pretty? Is it going to go out good? That's like a very, very big weight. Um, I don't know. I'm just lucky. And what do you, you've actually you started doing some entrees too, haven't you? We switched. Tell to us we, about one or the, two of the, the dishes that we should get at someday. We did um, a smoked pork chop special for about a month because we weren't sure how entrees were going to go. And we sold out of it. I don't know. Brian. I saw that Two on nights your, in. Yeah, I saw yeah. that on your Instagram. It looks great. Um, so we added that to our entrees. Appetizer-wise, the pierogies are my chef's great-grandmother's pierogi recipe, um, and they're amazing. And then brunch, the biscuits and gravy. That's great. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan's got a bunch of questions. What's your next question, Ryan? Um, yeah, I, I think to that end, like, how do you go about, like, 
starting and building that community, you know, when you start, especially you, Megan, um, and I know Gerard, you guys have the mug club at One Mile House, you know, previously, but what are some of those techniques you use to kind of build that community and get people coming in on a regular basis? Great question, Ryan. You want to you want me to go first? You go, Gerard. You go first. Yeah. You go first. All right, I'll take this first. So I think the biggest thing, and I think this is not just a crap beer bar thing. I think this is a bar bar thing, mm-hmm. is creating the guy to the right and to the left of you to talk to each other. You know, I think by, you know, for us, a technique was not to have TVs in the bar. And Bingo. to make the, your neighbor talk to each other, you know. That doesn't work for everybody, but it worked for us. And I think the mug club, like you said, was really interesting of how that organically to hook off. It was a, an idea that obviously wasn't original, but it's it's an idea that it brings people together. So when you had the guy who had the first mug ever in the bar sitting next to the guy who had the hundredth mug in the bar, you were like, you have no idea what this guy went through to get that mug. You know what I mean? Like he started it. Like he was, because he finished, 100 finished. You know what I mean? If no one ever finished it, it would have never, never happened. So I think it's it's. Wait, what do you, what do they what do they have to do to get the mug? It's a hundred different beers. So you 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 Full drink and order like, no, and no, no. consume and pay yeah. for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Over a certain number of times. No do. There's a business gimmick involved too. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you don't get yeah. like a, a jacket. You just get. No, a no. Mug. You, we, we do have a jacket <laughs> that you take a picture with and you get immortalized. You get a silver tanker with your name written all over it. Um, so it's like you walk in that we're never going to take it down. And if you finish your mug in 2010 and you walk in there 2020 and the bar is still open, your name's going to be immortalized. You're going to be there, you know. Uh, you go ahead. Take a little. Well, I will say, like, because I started out bartending at One Mile and then managing and all of those things. But we start, I started from day one. And once we started the mug club, it was so cool to see, I mean, sorry if I'm not allowed to use names, but Steve, who lived in Jersey at the time, you know, hang out with our regular Elan that lived in Lower East Side. These people didn't know each other. And now these people, I mean, they'll go into One Mile still. They've come in to someday, but they weren't friends. And they are friends now because of the Smug Club. and Good friends. And, yeah, really good friends. And they share beers. And, and also I'd say a majority of the people that were in that Mug Club, I have their cell phone numbers in my phone. It became so much more than just being a regular customer to being someone like, we went out and had drinks, and we were friends, and they had... We had you went need to a birthdays. bathroom break, mud club, can you cover the bar for five minutes? Uh, I mean... That's a little bit much. I was like, yeah, I don't know. More just like, hey, tell everybody I'm in the bathroom, I'll be back, let no one go behind the bar. It'd be like a bouncer situation. But Trusted it was customer. it was great. I mean, I have a lot of friends from that mug club, even after I've, I'm gone. That's great. Kyle, you, you know, you're working on your fourth place. Um, do, you, do you have anything like that that you've done to stimulate customers or I mean, community? Or? I always say this, like, treat a bar like the bar is Madonna. It has to be changed every year. It has to acclimate with the times. It has to become something new every time, even though it's sticking to the same idea of what it is. Like, the Baroness has been six, it's like six years now, and... Every week we're thinking about new stuff, new things to do, new ways to get new people, different people, but still with the same concept of what we are. Um, so what's what's working, or what's something new that you, you're about? I mean, to the Baroness, like for example, it's it's we have 27 burgers. It's like the burger joint of Queens. Holy shit! <laughs> and you know, we like our chef's been on Rachel Ray, Chopped. You got a peanut chew. butter burger. We do actually have one called the uh, Priscilla, and it's it's crazy. It was actually on Mario Batali and Michael Simon. They all. They had it on, on the chew, and it's amazing. But we opened the Huntress, and we were like, we'll do whiskey wings and other things. That was the, the Huntress motto. And uh, we got into it, and now we're seeing that, like, entrees don't sell as much. We're selling, like, a ton more wings because there's no wings within, like, two miles from us. And so now we're kind of evolving that menu a little bit and kind of going, okay, well, we see what people like, and let's, you know, let's kick it up a notch in that perspective. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just keep changing and evolving and, and with, your, with what you are, but... Great. Brian, you want to add anything? Uh, I just want to say we're, we cracked open a fresh beer. We're drinking uh, the latest release from Non Sequitur here. You should have seen this coming. It's uh, Citra and Nelson Sauvin, New England style double IPA. Uh, named for uh, Gage's dog, Nelson. So Aww. shout out to Gage, shout out to Nelson. Little, little Cheers to Nelson. Well, um, on that note, you, you guys are all on the pulse, the pulse, and I kind of feel like this is what Ryan was asking too. You guys are on the pulse of you know what's new, new releases. How does someone like uh, Gage uh, and Non Sequitur 
become you know this this new hot beer because it's good beer and I've I've noticed it in a lot of the good craft beers, but six six months ago I don't think he was making beer. So how, how does that process work? I mean, like you know him, you try the beer, but. You we know. also did work for beer menus for a long time, so yeah. like, you knew him from Remember that. His face popping up all over yeah. the place. And so. I have I have a French bulldog too, so it's a, he like likes everything on. So we know each other in different gamuts. But yeah, like there's he's he's around so much. Like yeah, he's a, a member of the the beer community. Yeah. He's he's there. He's living it, and something that I don't think a lot of people who live outside of the working in the the beer community understand is that you really don't have a day off. If you if you take a day off, then you're missing out on the next release. You're missing out on who's collaborating with who, on what events going on, and which anniversary is going on. And if you do an opening shift, you're probably still going to go to an event that evening. If you do a closing shift, uh, well, you're waking up and you're doing it again tomorrow. <laughs> um, but so you're, so Thursday, if you're listening live this Thursday, you're going to go to threes to their it's threes. So it's like Threes on Five or something. Five-year anniversary at Threes Brewery. They're at uh, 333 Douglas Street. Yeah, 333 Douglas, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just like, so who, who, give us a, pretend you, you ran into someone there. Who might you meet in the industry when you're there I'd on, say on you're going to see everyone from other half. Head Brewers, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Jason from Strong Rope is a couple blocks yeah. away, so I would not be shocked if he were there. Uh, you'll probably see the KCBC folks, Interboro folks. Big Alice. Big Alice for sure. Uh, Greenpoint Beer and Ale Works, uh, Keg and Lantern. Um, Thinback, I would not be shocked yeah. to see showing up either. Um, I should probably see a lot of union people. Yep, uh-huh. yep, for sure. Um, it, it's, it'll, I'm not going to say it's, it'll be a who's who of beer, but there's going to be a lot of people there. I mean, I think it's going to be like threes. It's their fifth anniversary, and he's buying everyone seven beers. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's just, <laughs> okay, I'm going to name is Jerry. This? Jerry is. Yeah. yeah, Jerry's buying beers. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 it it, it stands out for me, too. Like, of the, of the events of the week, that's the event I would go to, the, the threes five-year anniversary. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's the, the, the highlight of this week. But living in New York, we are so... We have what I call option paralysis. Yeah. There are so many different incredible beer events on a regular basis that if you went to all of them, you would need to detox pretty seriously. I guess that's why Dry January is such a thing. For yeah, that makes it that makes it really that does make it really tough to do stuff. Like you know, with music, there's so many shows going on. Like bands don't play in New York anymore because of that reason. Like this, the whole beer thing is so much going on. It's like. I, you can't go to all these things in one day. Yeah, just crush you. Yesterday, I looked up uh, two shows that I was interested in seeing. What are, what's the coincidence? They're on the same goddamn night. Yeah. So, well, that's one out right there. Ryan, you, tell, tell us. So, you, you get your side gig at Gear Patrol. You get to write the beer articles. What, what's what's a, a one that's either coming up or you recently wrote? I know you wrote something about Evil Twin recently. Yeah, yeah. So that was part of this uh, piece we do called Brewers Picks. Um, it's a every other week franchise. Uh, the next one we have is actually launching this Thursday with uh, John Walker from Athletic. Um, basically, we just try to reach out to as many brewers as we can and get them to go over, you know, their favorite everyday beer, their Grail beer that they're always in search of, or whenever they find it, they suggest picking it up, um, and a few other like you know monikers like that. So that, that's one we we do on a regular basis. Kyle, are there any um, like beer sites or you know other because there's no magazines anymore, but media that you follow that that you hope I mean, will I cover do- your bar. I would say we have a magazine. Gear for <laughs> Do you really? Quarterly. We do a quarterly magazine. Yeah. That's and good. And it's, uh, it's quite thick. I, I've got a copy here. I can oh, that's that's great. Yeah. I mean, I live on Beer Advocate and Beer Menus. just this part of my daily routine. But a little known fact, I actually put out a magazine three years ago in New York called Beer Buzz for the Craft Beer Fest in Brooklyn. And Chris Kuzme actually gave it out to everyone. It was a very small oh, I got that. pocket I magazine. That. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Do, do you design it too? Yes. Yeah, that was kind of like a just like a self like do my own like little fun little project on the side thing. But we actually beer today, beer tomorrow. We talked about doing another one that's actually a, a guide for all of New York City breweries that actually would fit inside your pockets, like super small. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been talking about kind of bringing that back at some point for. So this when festival. I go to on Instagram, if I go to at the Baroness. A lot of those images are yours? Everything. I mean, top yeah. to bottom. like Because I did graphic design work for 20 years, and so everything from top to bottom is always just me. So, 
But uh, but yeah, we're we've been playing this like little magazine called Gangs of Brew York, and it was like basically like all the different breweries and different neighborhoods and this and that and uh just like a free little guide that would be at every bar every brewery at the craft beer fest and da 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 and so we've at some point we'll we'll get it we're trying to i i have a talk with ann from from uh craft brewers and about, yeah. about possibly getting out some other things so We'll great. see. Um, one, one question that you wrote, Ryan. Ryan submitted some great questions before the show, and I'm going to read this one. Um, as all of you guys have been in, in owned or managed bars that have the Good Beer Seal Award. Um, but what just came out? So the, the, there's a, a new mm-hmm. yeah, the, shift in things that's very interesting. The Alchemist just kind of launched. They, they announced that they're going to be walking away from the uh, BA's uh, independently owned beer seal because they feel it doesn't represent them anymore in that they're family owned and not, you know, necessarily what a Boston beer is anymore when they're making up to 6 million barrels a year, potentially. Yeah. Or Youngling. I mean, so yeah, yeah, or y- yeah, yeah, that could potentially use that seal. So um, I, I think, you know, as just like you said, like the good beer seal, like how does that really, how is that going to be more important to kind of distinguish between you know, the, these these lines that are starting to get blurred, now they're beverage companies, they're making seltzers. So where where do you guys all see that going, and how does that affect, you know, your experience? I, can, I think I can chime in. Does it, did it ever better? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, like, the BA changed their role so many times because of Sam Adams yeah. when, it, when, mm-hmm. it, when it dictated for them to be that way. Yeah. So to think that they're not going to do that now, it's not, it's not a... Yeah, but I it's mean, it's not like, out, out of this world that they're doing this. Like, I think beer is always going to change and everything's going to change. And it's like, if you're going to try to categorize it, it's like music. It's like anything else that's organic. It's don't, you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. it ever mattered. I don't think it does now. Well, beer is too yeah. progressive, too. That it's yeah. going to keep going in so many different directions and this and that. It's going to be hard to quantify what's what anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and I think that's what The Alchemist is trying to do, really, in that, like, hey, we're family owned and operated, no one else owns oh. us. Yeah. And I, I think that, like, what more that... True like, independence. Yeah, how is that going to matter more as we see, you know, a brewery that's regional that wants to be the next Sierra Nevada? That doesn't really make sense anymore. And for, like, a Grim or an Inner Borough, I, you know, they're not trying to be a giant regional brewery necessarily. They're focusing on their local community, and that kind of plays into everything you guys all do. So yeah. I, I, th- I kind of see it as more almost how that... No, that, that's great. We're going to come back in a minute and talk about that, but we'll, first we'll take a break and we'll be back on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This episode is brought to you by Fair Kitchens. The food service industry faces a challenge. More people are eating out, yet restaurants are losing talent. Why is this? Research by Fair Kitchens reveals a serious well-being issue within professional kitchens. 74% of chefs are sleep-deprived to the point of exhaustion. of chefs feel depressed, and more than half feel pushed to the breaking point. This can't be ignored. Fair Kitchens is a movement based on the belief that a positive kitchen culture makes for a healthier business. By taking the pledge to be a Fair Kitchen, they'll provide you with free information, tools, and resources to help you take action towards making your restaurant more stable, productive, and happy which positively affects the guest experience. It's time to act now. Learn about the Fair Kitchens code and join the movement at fairkitchens.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, it's 2020. That means this is like the 11th year of Heritage Radio Network and soon to be the 11th season of Beer Sessions Radio. So thanks for your support all this time. And check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. You can become a member. So this is a special show. Uh, Kyle from the Baroness uh, in Long Island City put together the show and suggested it. We're talking about kind of the horrors of owning a craft beer bar. Um, let's not get too... We, we talked a little earlier. We got a little dank and dirty. We don't need to hear about sewer problems. But, um, you know, there, in, in any business... I, for me, I remember with my place, Jimmy's number 43, you know, it's like you've got to start the day at 10 a.m. and you're probably going to be there if something happens until closing. I used to have another bar where... 
we had a we had a, a wider than normal uh, storefront, so we had a wider than normal uh, roll down gate, and I would get these calls at closing at four thirty in the morning that the gate was stuck halfway, and there were a couple of times I had to sleep inside the bar in the front with a baseball bat because knowing that the repair guy wouldn't come into the morning. So that's one of my stories. Who's who's got the next one? Uh, come on. I have one. I, uh, it's kind of like sleeping in the bar. I had a sleeping in the bar moment. Uh, Sandy. When Sandy happened, we were in the, you know, we're somewhat down Lower East Side. If anyone remembers 2012. We, oh we, 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 we were in the first year of opening. You remember Idle Hands? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I own Billy yeah. Hurricanes above Idle Hands. We oh, were, we were all one yeah. company. I remember we all Avenue B. Avenue B. Rob. We were all the same guys. Yeah. But I remember, like, knowing that day was going to be a day and... Power was going to go out, and I had to stay in the bar, and I'm expecting to be flooded out. And Luckily, Delancey Street, where one mile house is, is kind of like the apex between the east side and the west side, where we're kind of on a mount, so we got zero order. But all my regulars hung out there all night and partied, and we did too, and we slept there and had a great time. And, and the power was and off. And it and never really affected and... us. But yeah, other than the being closed the next couple of days, and trash bags of ice on top of the kegs, and shutting the, the keg room door, and... I refused to let anyone open it until the power came on, just so all the coolness would stay in the in the, in the coal box. So, just trying to keep the integrity of the beer up, you know. And then, and, but like people were had generators and were doing barbecues on the streets, and it was it was actually a mess because like there were bars that were closed for three to four days. Yeah, because we, of that, we were you know? down for a while, and we were actually called Billy Hurricanes. So <laughs> I was actually defrosting a freezer in the middle of the day, and all of a sudden, 30 people were at the door, and we're like, we want to come in. And all of a sudden, it was just all night long, and we had to kick people out. We're like, because mm-hmm. we were in the flood zone, and we were like, all right, everybody's got to get out. Like, it's going to get bad. And it started getting bad. And then it didn't get bad. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. But. Was Idle Hands worse? Because they were in the basement. You guys were upstairs. They didn't get, because we actually, it was like, this, like fortunately, like, uh, C got... Avenue C and, C and D, D got hit. East Village hard. got hit. Yeah. yeah, and we were just like right on a, nut, on a pitch that we didn't catch. We didn't catch it. Well, now you brought up something, um, Gerard, that we we forget about. You know, talking about the work to keep up a craft, a good beer seal or craft beer mm-hmm. bar in the city. You said number one, you wanted to keep the beer cold when the power went out. Yeah, that was so my priority. Tell us the, how you learned whether you took Cicerone or in the old days. How did you learn about you know beer qualities? Serving beer. I mean, those are some of the most important things. When we see all the ads for Guinness, yeah. you always talk about the perfect pour. But for us, craft beer bars, you know, this is a, one of the biggest parts of what we do. I think it's one of those things, like, if you're going to do it, do it right, you know? And um, if you're going to serve good quality beer, do it the right way. But go, but go way back. Like, when you first started in the industry, who, who taught you about tapping kegs? Give us a um, specific. I, think I was a bartender for years. I was, you know... I remember Where, being, Where'd you work? Name a place. Um, I was at Stout before that. I worked at, in D.C. at a place called Madam's Oregon, and I used to go to the old Brick Scour back in the day. That was like Guinness Book of World Records for most craft beer, like beers in, in a bar. And, in D.C.? Yeah. And like, even I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, and I used to go to Monk's Cafe when I was 18 years old. Yeah, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> Tom I was underage, but I had a great fake ID. Um, but I used to go there all the time because my sister worked in Center City, and we'd go there and... and we drink beers, and I, would, I had my first Duvel there. I had my first Lucifer there. I had my first Belgians there, and that's when I realized, like, beer was beer, you know? And and then I cared. So I think, answer your question, is when I got a beer a beer bar, it was, this is what I care about, so I'm going to take care of it. That's basically it. It's, you take care of your business, like, financially, and then you take care of your business because... So, so over the sell. years, as, as things changed, it used to be you had a standard-style keg, yeah. like the American keg... And standard style coupler and everything. How did you learn to, 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 to you know deal with? Di- tell, just tell me like the it's it's get it's much more complex than it used to be. The different types of kegs. Yeah. The standards that people are expecting. Who wants to talk about that? Um, Brian ask questions. Yeah. What, what, what coupler do I need <laughs> the, for this keg? The, the biggest, for it. The biggest yeah. thing right now is is actually like the the volatility of of kegs coming in, like IPAs, yeah. double O's, things like that. That. They have to be cold quickly, and they can't just sit out. They got to be on there, and they got to be pressure wise. It's it's, we've that's uh, it's been our biggest difficult situation is like really like getting things in the fridge, getting things cold, making sure when deliveries come in, this that the other thing. Like that's one of the bigger things I've kind of come to see. But it's even transcended draft now. You see cans that have instructions on how yeah. you're supposed to <laughs> yeah. serve them, whether you're supposed to roll them or yeah. juggle them or yeah. throw them against the wall. Well, you can blame alchemists for starting that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Don't keep your fruited gozes in yeah. your garage. Actually, lot, so, so like goofy things in bars. So Lost Nation, you know, I'm from Vermont, like always had tons of Lost Nation though. Our, and one summer, our AC sucks. And, and so it was just like, it was terrible that summer. And all of a sudden, all their gozes just started blowing up on the shelves because they weren't in a fridge. Wow. And I'm talking like, I picked one up that was like, it was like a giant can. And I moved it and it blew up and I pulled a shard of metal out of my face. Because it was like a grenade. It was crazy. And we, we do champagne sabering too, so I'm used to like blowing up things. Oh like, <laughs> like, this was not cool. And I actually emailed them. I was like, guys, like, you got to put some like, kind of warning that people have to get these cold quickly or they're going to go crazy. Three out of five. Yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> Kyle, what, what is it about Long Island City? I mean, you, you said you, you, you were owner of an East Village place, Billy Hurricanes. How did you end up in Long Island City? We just moved there on a, on a whim. Having, we had a bar on 34th Street, and uh, it was like the easiest commute. We both lived on the Upper East Side, my wife and I, um, and so we decided to move over there, and then we just kind of found a, uh, an old school place that was like, it wasn't a bar, it was a printing company. In turn, we found out it was a bar in the 40s. And someone came in with like a swizzle stick from the, with our address on it and the name of the bar and everything. We're like, oh yeah, this is a bar like back in the 40s. And we're like, holy shit. But uh, yeah, it was just, there was out of necessity, there was nothing there. I mean, you know, being in Astoria, like LIC in 10 years ago was like, was like there were still hookers there. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was different. And what about you have a new thing called escape room? I, I, I just learned about escape rooms today. Um, <laughs> what is an escape room? And... It's uh. What are you, what are you doing? With so basically, your like, the, and what's the next beer? We need one more beer. An escape room is just basically like. Oh, I don't know if you were gonna jump. Yeah, I'm gonna chime in about the beer. We uh we just cracked a can of uh, Nightmare Brewing's Exposure, which is a uh, 10% Imperial IPA with uh, Cryo Citra and Cryo Mosaic. Uh, head brewer Billy Powell was at San City for a long time, and he struck out on his own. Uh, he's got some of the most intense. Artwork and uh, beer that so goes along. You, you Dick. like the artwork, I guess. Brian Brian, once again, what's the name of the brewery? Nightmare Brewing. And is it based in New York? Uh, well, they were at a GSB for a while. He was brewing at uh, Sand City, and some of his beer South came Bay. out of Great South Bay. Some of it, I think, came out of a uh, uh, he was contract brewing or satellite brewing up in uh, Massachusetts. Now he's at that's at Dorchester, yeah. Yeah, uh, every beer is named after a different method of execution. So not for the faint of heart or faint of liver. But the can we, we did do a show about metal. We we did a show about metal. We had a good time. Metal cans. It was a good one too. <laughs> All right. So escape rooms. Hold that. So uh, Megan, you know, uh, experienced craft beer bar person, newish beer bar owner. You're checking your phone. Your your looks like you're checking your your wristwatch. Um, what's going on tonight? Like day to day, you've got a lot of jobs to do. So I... what, literally, if when you leave here, what are you doing? If you're going to your bar, and what what what, what are you gonna do first when you get? There? Well, I uh, I was in my I went to Home Depot this morning uh, to fix the toilet yes, or get something to fix live. the toilet, um, and I asked one of my bartenders to send me a picture of a a bottle of tequila because we're doing a margarita and tostada night. So I asked her for a photo so I could put on Instagram, and I just got um, seventeen got Apple photos, <laughs> Apple seventeen photos. She's OCD like I am, so I appreciate it. But I was just like my my watch was going off, and I'm like, what is going on? Would that be considered an expose? Maybe. But I'm like, is the bar burning down? Is the bar burning down? Like, what's going on? And I look, and I know it's 17 photos of a tequila bottle. So I have options for my Instagram post later. Um, but I was a little worried that the bar might be on fire. So, so you, that's you've why. Got, you've got anxiety. It's just. You've got repairs, and you've got photo shoots. I learned from the best and I'm not sucking up because he's sitting right next to me. I learned a lot from, from Jerry um, about just never turning off. And and that in a good way and a bad way. I mean, sometimes you need to turn off, but it's really hard to do it when it's your own and you're constantly wondering what's going on and what you need to do and how you can do things better or different. Um, so it's just hard to like switch off. And when you get 17 text messages from your bartender, usually someone's dead. Usually you think <laughs> usually you think something's bad. I should have known that it's just her being. You know, there there are a number of years detailed. when I used to think that it was the health department. Oh, so that's text, we're like, waiting on that again. Can we just Jer call this the nightmare is just the health department? Like, the that's the worst the part department. of it all. It's that hour and a half 
it's that but, hour and a half that you have to wait oh. while they sit in the back and do on that little tiny printer and do whatever. They're just trying to kill time. <laughs> we, we know that's an issue, but Jerry, you uh, did you ever take a vacation when, when you own one mile house? I did, yeah. Like as much as I couldn't, you know, Megan's giving me too much credit for not turning off. You had to. You you have to take vacations because all work and no play is. So why, when why you're on it? vacation. Constantly texting the bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but see, like, now I'm not even, yeah. turning but see, now I was in Spain and doing like and texting and just being like, how's everything? And what's this? And you know, and but now that you have cameras, you can just like look and kind of I didn't go, have them at that time. Oh, no, I know. That's like, what I'm I, saying. Like back in the day, we yeah, didn't have cameras. Yeah. Now it's like we can look at every bar and be like, oh, we're, no They're one's on okay. fire. Like it's fine. Like, but it was. It's like it's one of those things where it's like even if the, if you had the cameras, like I don't know, like you just kind of like. How's your attitude? How's how's the how's the personality of the bar going? Well, you, know, you almost you're playing the right music. Yeah. Is the lights dimmed enough? Almost no news is bad news. Like you think that oh, no yeah. news is good news, but when you don't hear for two days, you're like, okay, what's going on? Why? Like or, I had to go away for a funeral, and there were two days I heard nothing, and they're like, no, 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 we're just giving you your space, and I'm like. No, no, no! Text me every day. I yeah. want to know. We have a no I, phone call rule too. Not do not call us unless it's like a real emergency. Because we'll get guys like they'll call us up and we're like, shit, like it's going down right now. We're like we're ready to get up out of bed to run down there. It's like no, just text, text, text. text. Well, I think that's the thing too. It's like as soon as you land wherever you're going on vacation on or whatever weekend you're taking off, the moment you get comfortable. Ding! The text okay. goes off. This will be very. It's not even. It's, it's be, like it's like it's foolproof. So this will be very right. quick. We were going to Spain and Portugal. I think it was no, no. We're going to New Orleans for my 40th birthday. The day before, a sh- one of our cooks set himself completely on fire. Oh my god! I'm talking chest to neck. Pr- arms. Protest action? Yeah. <laughs> no. And it was bad. And it was like holy fuck. And then we had to like sit there and like deal with that. Before going away, yeah, and then going away. What was like, he cooking? Was he using a fry later? We don't want to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can go really bad. I mean, I, I I own places for like twenty three years, and honestly, the, the, as you guys know, listeners, for like two years, I, my, I I last had a place two years ago, and I'll say my life is much more relaxing. I, <laughs> I don't miss those those little calls. One thing I used to do is I. I in the, in the era of texting, I always ask my staff to text at the end of the night, just like a little recap, like, okay, we close, and this is the total, or something like that. And some of them would give pushback and say, well, we, we, we do it on the POS. Don't you check that? I'm like, no, I, I want to get a text when you close for a lot of reasons. So it's like when I, when I first wake up, because I, I used to wake up early, I just wanted to see it. So everyone has their own systems, too. Is there something like that that you guys do? Is there some, some unique system that, that you like that makes you feel comfortable besides just waiting for... Text all day. Text me the next day. The next day. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the place is burning down. Um, yeah. yeah. And Ryan, you know, you, 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 you get to write beer stories for fun. Um, what's your next beer story going to be? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I'm getting the opportunity to hop on the phone with Ken Grossman tomorrow. Oh, um, awesome. Or Thursday, I believe. Uh, it's their it's Sierra Nevada celebrating their 40th anniversary. So we're going to do a little Q&A and... Do like a little virtual tasting with the uh, the 40th anniversary hoppy ale that they did. That's kind of a tribute to pale ale, which I think all of us and any beer level will Benchmark recognize. Beer. Exactly, you know, like it's still the standard to this day. So I mean, Gear Patrol is pretty cool. I mean, you, you, I've I've met a couple of your writers. There's a guy Brian who does all the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah you Brian, got some yeah, cool yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, we we cover a lot of different things, and uh, we we kind of take this angle that's called product journalism that we kind of coined and um we really we really try to give our 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 ethos is to give consumers and readers a lot of utility but every everybody deserves the right product you know whether that's you know a beer or a car or a watch or an an air purifier for their house or a frying pan everybody deserves that and we we kind of all of our writers and editors are experts in their fields, so um, we really try and take a high-touch approach to to that angle through every category. That's great. We're going to wrap up soon. Brian Winget, so, you know, from Barcade and some Someday NYC, that's the new place? Yep. Uh, 364 give, Atlantic. Give us a feature. If, if I go to, what night are you working at Someday? I'm there every weekend, Friday to Monday. Okay, night. so Friday night, what, what should I come in and get? Uh, you should come in before 11 o'clock when the kitchen closes. Uh, you should start with some pierogies, and then you should have the banh mi. 
And while you're doing that, you should probably start off with one of our cans. We've got about 100 right now between cans and bottles. And then move on to the draft list. We started keeping a, both separate draft and package lists for people to keep track of what they've had. And we've got different commemorative vessels for you to drink your beverages out of when you reach certain milestones. And uh, then maybe move on to a cocktail. Uh, Megan and uh, Kieran, who works over at One Mile, have been working on a different cocktail program that's rotated with the seasons. So start with a, a can, then move on to a draft, then have a cocktail to end your night. So one thing, you know, Ryan asked, you know, the c- competition uh, amongst craft beer. So th- the good bars and, and bar restaurants don't just stick with one thing. It's, it's like you, you're actually doing cocktails and you're doing. So t- tell us how, how you envision your place when you opened it. So we're actually like doing seconds. all at the same time because some of our cocktails are made with beer. Mm-hmm. We've made simple syrups out of IPAs, made simple syrups out of Imperial Stouts, and they're featured in our rotating cocktails as well, so you can do them all at the same time. The thing I've learned is you can't just do one thing great in New York City. You have to do everything great. You can't just lay back on craft beer. Unfortunately, like I would love to that I love beer, but you have to knock everything out of the park or you're not going to survive because you can get all of these great things, so you have to do everything on point all the time. Kyle, we're going to wrap it up. So. Yeah, just, I mean. So you're more than beer. Like, you guys are good, good Brazil-type bars, but you, yeah, I mean, you're like, more than beer. Like, we are a big burger bar. People know us for that. But people walk in, and they when they when they Google Maps us, they go, oh, my God, they have this, and they have this. Mm-hmm. You can't just, you have to kind of dartboard the whole idea. You have to be like, we have to be good at so many different things. Walk in the Baroness, you can, you can open a champagne bottle with a sword. You can get heady topper you can get these crazy burgers you can get so many different things going on and we have no tvs we don't give wi-fi out it's old school like hip-hop and it's like it's all these like different niches that kind of like create this one concept you that's that you need all those things all those pieces to make one whole you know I'll tell you what, you guys, it's been a great show. Again, this could be 20 more shows, and we have a lot to talk about. Ryan, we're definitely going to have you back on and everybody else. Let's go around the room. Everyone say their name one more time, and we'll close out. Kyle Radzminski, the Baroness, the Huntress, coming soon, the Duchess, maybe the Governess at some point, and the escape room. Somewhere escape room out there. (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) Uh, Ryan Brower, I work for Gear Patrol. Check us out at gearpatrol.com. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Brian Wingett, bartender, beer consultant over at Someday Bar. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Megan Rickerson, owner of Someday Bar in Borham Hill, Brooklyn. Thank you, Megan. Uh, Jarrett Leary, formerly One Mile House, uh, currently Judy and Punch. Well, guys, it's been a great show. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Producer Dylan Hoyer, uh, intern Kevin Barnum-Chang, engineer extraordinaire Matt Patterson. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! All right. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.